Hey! Hi! Oh, I'm so happy we're talking! I was going through all of your websites, and I'm like, you are just amazing. Oh, thank you. I mean, like, your climbing and everything else, I was just like, I'm so impressed. I'm so excited to get to chat with you today. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm very much on the web because, you know, I'm being stuck at home a lot. Oh, no, I don't know what that's like at all. (laughs) Yes, I understand. Web is, like, one of the only ways to, like, outreach everything. Um, are we having sound issues? I can hear you. Oh, good. Okay, excellent. Just wanted to make sure that we were all good. Um, is that your art in the background? Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh. Do you want to... Oh, Jasmine, it's gorgeous. It's so beautiful. Do you have, as I saw your climbing site, I saw um, your site for, is it mostly Eller Stainless? I got to go through a lot of it, and I saw Eller Stainless, but I wasn't sure if there's other things on your site, too. Um, I'm currently trying to expand it to, like, reach a broader audience. I also kind of got a little bit, like, stuck into a corner just talking about the EDS stuff, so I'm trying to broaden it out right now. Um, I absolutely hear and understand that. <laughs> we did the same thing with this podcast. We were starting with just invisible illnesses and decided to branch out all the way. Yeah. That's really nice to meet you, Jasmine. Um, there is so much to go over. You have a wellness site called Embrace the Brace. Yeah. And can you, I was going through some of the, the articles. They are incredibly knowledgeable and, um, Way better at grammar than I am, so I'm very impressed with how, like, wonderful that looks. Do you have a background in medicine? Um, I I was in medical school for just a little bit, so... (laughs) That's amazing to me, because you already had some symptoms of Ehlers-Danlos before you went to medical school, is that right? Yeah, I did, and actually... Not, like, a lot of the reason why I went is just because I love learning and I love biology and systems and neuroscience and stuff, but part of the reason I went is because I thought, like, I needed to figure out what was wrong with me, and at the time, I thought that it was psychological because I was in so much pain, and I was just like, you know what, someday I'm going to figure out how to not be in pain. Like, this is ridiculous. Somebody cannot be in this much pain. I feel like hugging you right now because... I I used I wasn't like clever enough to get into medical school, but I would watch the House episodes and ER. I'm old, ER, and then Grey's Anatomy just to see if anyone's symptoms would actually match up to what I was experiencing because I thought I might be crazy or like I just was so yeah, desperate for something. <laughs> like yeah, a thread to follow. <laughs> I guess I got like my um, my dramatic uh, medical school that way, but I, I totally understand like if. Like, that need to grasp on to answers. Yeah, I mean, it was, it's weird because I'd almost, like, really given up by, by the time I was going to medical school. I, it's not like I even really thought there would be an answer. I just thought in the back of my mind, well, maybe. Like, this could also be a good reason to learn this stuff. I, I really didn't think that it would all come crashing down so quickly. This <laughs> is not what I expected. I thought maybe when I was, like, 50 years old or something, someday, eventually... <laughs> Oh, man, I hear that one so much. Yes. Um, it's so weird even when you do have a diagnosis, when it's something like Ehlers-Danlos, there's no good protocol. Like, you have no idea if you're talking about it. it'll be, like, in another year or two or, like, 10 or 15 or 30 years. Like, I thought an early retirement would be 50, and that's what I'd be looking at. But no, no, like, 38 was pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, so unknown. So for 
I, I don't, I know you didn't want to go too far in, but I was just really curious because you're one of the few people who, like me, had experiences even as a kid with symptoms. And if you, at any point, are like, you know what, I don't want to talk about that, just raise your hand, I will run away from that topic so fast. Um, but I was just kind of curious because, like, the idea of going to medical school is such a intensely physical thing. Like, med school is not easy on the brain or body at all. And if you were looking at becoming a doctor, right. you probably knew rotations and all the rest of that, like, were you, were you, um, I was like, I thought ballet and all the other things, like, were you in the space of like, no, I'm going to do this anyway, or were you doing this to get answers and you weren't planning on going all the way with it? Or is that just too many questions for you all at once? I'm so sorry. Oh, no, no. Okay. Well, so like, I always thought that I was going to go more into research. Okay. So I didn't have, I thought that I would just get somehow get through all that clinical stuff and then be able to do the research but even like in my first semester we had to do like not even rotations just like being in our on our feet really early in the morning which is when I was always so dizzy and I almost fainted so many times I think I did nearly pass out once you were in a good group and, for it at least <laughs> so I guess it was at that point I, I guess it wasn't hitting me correctly I think I was still in that mode where I was just like no you know, this just happens to everybody. Like, it's no problem. Oh my god, how many like chronic illness people just heard it happens to everyone? It's no problem. Just raise their hand, going, "Yeah, I'm always like." It's such a weird thing when you're a kid with it because you start considering like maybe this is just everyone's normal, and I'm just particularly bad at handling this kind of pain. That's exactly what I thought, for sure. Yeah, I hear you there. <laughs> so so extremely, I hear you there. So maybe part of it was, like, poor planning, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, the swoon and fall is not nearly as romantic as, like, the Victorian novels would have us believe. So you're in, like, this really cool um, Venn diagram middle of someone who can actually, like, speak doctor. So maybe, I guess, I guess I can. I don't even realize. I think this actually, this gives me a lot of shit at the doctor, actually. <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not trying to speak doctor. I'm just speaking whatever. And they're like, did you go home and Google this? Like, and I'm like, no, I'm coming here. I'm like asking you a question. I don't know. I just know a lot of science. Like, cause I don't actually really know that much about medicine or pharmaceuticals or anything, but I'm an extreme science nerd. So I'll know like often more than they do about like the basic like the chemistry and the anatomy and I think that kind of freaks them out Especially and they thought they kept telling me I had like that medical school syndrome or something <laughs> you heard about that? Okay, no, it's um I studied uh psychology I was going to become a therapist and uh yeah it's that first year they are just like oh you went to first year psych you went psych 101 you're diagnosing everyone yeah so what I meant like one of the things I meant with like speaking doctor is like they give me these things to read and I ended up becoming a literature major. I can't stay focused reading the, the medical journal stuff to even learn more. Are you able to, like, process through all of these new ideas? Like, they're talking, like, there's so much on the horizon right now with, like, ketamine and laser therapy and all the rest of it. Like, are you able to read through those articles and, like, really go beyond their hype and their, um, oh, that's what I'm looking for, beyond their marketing, I guess, is the best way to phrase yeah, it. Yeah, and actually, I think that that's actually why I'm doing this Embrace the Brace site, is because I really, there's so much information out on the internet, there's so much bad information, whether it's in the medical community or just 
there's way more bad information just on like alternative health and all that kind of stuff just like a bunch of nonsense and ads and I I'm trying to sort through it the best that I can for other people so do you actually try some of the things or do you just give everyone like the actual science breakdown on whether it would really work or not um I mean it depends what it is I'm trying like one of the most recent good examples I did of this was like essential oils Mm -hmm. so that was one that I really looked into the science of um like how smell works and how that can affect the neuroscience in your brain and it's also something that I tried in the past wow okay well if you want to send me a link over I can link that into um the show notes so yeah everybody's listening head over to show notes also because I have linked up this site I have also linked up your climbing site because I thought that was pretty badass and cool (laughs) um so yeah definitely head over to show notes I have everything highlighted and linked up for everyone so you can go and check out embrace the brace I am so glad you're doing that. And I started to do that as well on our blog on just things I've tried because I actually um, spent the money a lot of the times to try a lot of these things that were like, this will absolutely change your life. And I'm like, okay, fine. I'm a sucker at three o'clock in the morning in Amazon. And um, it's really a problem. (laughs) I need to disable that site after like midnight. But I try them and I I test them out. And it's one of the things that we decided, um, all of us co-hosts together, that we would not take money for this website or for the podcast because I wanted my reviews on anything to be like definitely just set and the amount of money you can pour out on these alternative therapies are extreme yeah and that's that's one of my goals too for embrace the brace is to stay neutral and that's why actually that's why I kind of signed up to do this podcast is because I'm hoping that I could get more people involved with it because if it's just me then it's really kind of biased like, I'd love to have other people try to approach all these topics, like, from a super rational viewpoint and see what they can come up with, because somebody might come up with a different conclusion than I do. And that's such a good point. Like, you really do want more hands on it, because, I mean, first of all, there's the biology. Some things just might not work well for you that might work for someone else, but there's also different disorders and different tolerances for things. Like, the new big, like, buzzword right now is the ketamine, and I'm, like, really looking into it right now, and I'm I'm trying to wade through the science because the side effects scare me, so, like, it's, it's hard for someone like me to wade through those side effect sites and everything. Maybe I'll add that to my list. Oh, it's been, please do. It's been in the back of my mind. I, we've, I've interviewed someone else who um, had done ketamine for her fibromyalgia, and she's like, I don't have to use the opioids because this works great for me, just for me. No, please don't sue us. Um, it's just saying that worked for this one person, and I did the research on the, I'm like, oh, that would be wonderful. <laughs> and I did the research on what some of the side effects were, and those really scared me. So I'm like, I, I'm still trying to figure out the science behind that kind of painkiller. So for you, you started doing, um, like, climbing for for setting up your joints, which I know, please, by the way, don't sue us. Do not start climbing unless your doctor or physical therapist has had some words in. But I've always had that theory, like, because I did ballet for years and years and years. And I think it actually gave me an extra 10 or 15 years because of all of the, like, things like yoga or ballet or climbing. You're using so many small muscles that you would never target in a gym. And I'm wondering, like, did that actually really end up, like, settling you, helping you, like, keeping all of your joints together? Is you're still pretty, I mean, like, I'm just making a wild guess. I think you're pretty young. So I'm wondering if that's, like, part of, like, I'm I'm actually fishing for advice, basically, is what's going on here. Oh. I'm, like, yeah. at the end of my treatments of, like, the doctors going, oh, we're just scared and we don't want to touch you anymore. So I'm, like, 
flailing wildly for any ideas of what to do next. So you are being a guinea pig right now and I'm trying to get ideas. <laughs> um, I mean, so basically I was super active when I was like in middle school and then I just had to quit everything one by one by the time I was 14 or 15. So I was really inactive from age of like 15 to 20. Wow. And I started, yeah. The only thing I was really doing was walking pretty much. And around 20 is when my allergy list got really bad and I had like spinal complications, which really kind of got me on bed rest for a while and really debilitated. And is, I don't know if you've experienced this with EDS, but when you get knocked down, like it's, it is so hard to get back up from it. Oh. And so the climbing for me, it's, it's like stabilized my muscle tone and prevented my joints from getting worse but I can't say that it's helping me get better it's still like this constant battle to not go downhill that battle is one of the most frustrating things about Eller Stanlos I can I like absolutes I hate not having absolutes in my life and like the well if you don't do this you're gonna lose muscle but if you do do this you could end up backsliding and ending up in bed for like three weeks and like there's no good answer it's like yeah it's so and frustrating it still messes me up sometimes. That's the thing. And that's why I don't advocate climbing for other people. I mean, the, like, the main reason I do it is because it overall helps me more than it hurts me. But it, it still hurts me sometimes. And it still caused me some issues, like, with my toes especially. My toes and my fingers. Like, you, I have to be really careful. It's not, like, even though I do competitive climbing, I'm not. The way that I train with EDS is actually by not training. Like, okay. I don't try things that I, I only do things that I know I can do. That is really interesting. I just started to go against um, doctor's advice-ish and started doing like planks and the more modified planks just because I got stuck in bed for three weeks and like everything went. It's like if one thing goes with other stainless, you can guess the entire half of your body is going to follow real fast. <laughs> At least for my other stainless. I know there's a lot no, of different kinds, but oh my God. Like my husband just watches it like, dislocated shoulder it's like he's like counting it down till like I start screeching about my elbow and then it's my wrist and then it's like the ribs and he's like all right we're done <laughs> so for you I mean like I'm just I'm trying to wrap my brain around everything you do and um please forgive me if I'm a little disjointed today I was I am on every medication I have on my side of my bed so I can sit up and talk to you today it's been a brutal like three days so if I'm a little meandery um forgive me and just do like Kiros and pull me back on track. <laughs> I would appreciate that. Um, but I was so blown away because I was reading through your questions and you did such a great job answering your questions. So again, go over to show notes. These are really amazing. Um, and you do so much. And I guess I was just kind of in awe on how your brain works, like from like science to like getting into the creation zone. Can you tell me a little bit about your artwork and how your how that works for you for like pain relief and refocusing? Yeah, so my art, I always say my art saves me because it's this, like, ongoing passion that, like, keeps me going and it keeps me motivated. The reason I climb, actually, is so that I'm strong enough to do art. It's not that I care anything about being athletic. Like, I actually really don't care. I'm really... If I didn't have EDS, I'd probably never be going to the gym because I'm, like, the type of person that normally sits in the library. That's just how I naturally am but because of the art it motivates me to do what I need to do to take care of my body to stay strong so that I can keep creating more things 
And even when I've been on bed rest, like, it gives my mind this outlet, I guess, so that I don't get stuck in, like, negative negative thoughts about, oh, my God, I'm stuck here. This is horrible. I'm in pain. It's just, like, this escape. I don't think that people understand. Not that this is a cure or not that it's, like, go ahead and get rid of all of your, your mood stabilizers, but finding a creative outlet, I, I don't have a better pain management tool or depression management tool. I get horrible depression, but if I'm creating, for some reason, like, all of the the thoughts in my head, they're like the deep, dark, like void, jump on into void thoughts go away for that time that I'm creating. It's no, just, exactly. Yeah. It's like you get to that flow, like when you were a kid, like a little kid and like you're playing make-believe and like nothing else exists. And all of a sudden someone's like, it's bedtime. You're like, no, no, no. The sun just came up. I just started doing this. And like hours pass and you don't recognize that that time passed. Yeah, exactly. That's why actually when people ask me like, well, how do I stay so positive or how do I... Like keep doing all this stuff that I'm doing, and I'm like, well, I don't really have, I don't really try to keep doing it. I'm just trying to stay distracted, and I'm just doing whatever happens to happen. So I try to explain that to people. It's kind of difficult for people that aren't, don't haven't had some type of creative outlook or outlet. Seriously, like I don't know what anyone does who doesn't have like. And I think we're all creative. I know people say sometimes like I'm not a creative person, and I think it's just because it got beaten out of them or like in like verbally emotionally whatever like when they're kids like I feel like every kid's born a scientist and an artist and a storyteller yeah. and like that just gets thrown out during like you know at least um U.S. education like that's so like thrown to the side <laughs> and I think everyone if they could like either if you're a reader like I feel like even reading is a creative activity because you're writing the movie through your head while you're reading a book like there's so many different ways to find that that zone and it's such an important thing to find I think it, distraction is everything really it's like one yeah. of the best managements yeah and especially if it's one that like it's a form of distraction where it's still moving your life forward and it's still connected to the world it's not like being distracted and running away it's like being distracted and being present oh I like that so much that is an incredible distinction between like I drink to escape, I um, do drugs to escape, I, uh, like anything that people use in that, like, to escape, but you're right, those are escapes where you are really removing yourself from, from existing, where creation is that, like, complete presence of mind. That's beautiful! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, <laughs> that was a really okay. gorgeous way to phrase that. <laughs> So for like I, I'm so understanding you with like the I climb and I do physicality so that I can paint and draw. When I was a photographer, I used to do um, the gym just so I could hold my camera. Like that was I, I would I worked so hard just to extend whatever years I had left in front of that camera. And it's the same thing when I was photographing, I wouldn't feel any pain until the shoot was over. Then it was awful. But like the whole time I was photographing, those moments were just like apart from everything else. Yeah, I mean, that's almost, it's exactly the same for me, really, except for holding a paintbrush. And, God, like, please, everyone, if, like, we have a YouTube channel. If you're curious what we look like or what we're talking about, because you'll hear me ooh and awe over people's pets, and you're like, what the heck is this woman freaking out about? I will always ooh and awe over dogs. Um, but, like, go over to our YouTube channel, watch this video, because you can see all of Jasmine's beautiful artwork behind her. I hope you sell this. If you do, send me a link, and I will put it on the... Like, oh, yeah, I have a website. Shop. Okay. 
I definitely didn't know it was being recorded, though. Oh, I'm so sorry. God, I feel really bad. I, I find people, um, I used to do intros. Okay, okay. So if anyone's like listening, they're like, why has the podcast changed so much? She used to do these really professional intros. I did used to do professional intros. And then I realized that everyone freezes up the second they realized that I had pressed record. So now I just sort of like, we start talking and then like you realize like halfway through that we've been talking and it tends to be a more easy flow. I guess I hope I hope you aren't offended or upset. No, no, I I just didn't, I didn't realize I was being videoed. Oh, my deep apologies. You know what? If you don't want the video up, you can just tell me, and I will not put the video up. But you look adorable. I thought you were like, oh no, I totally styled myself for this. You no, look it's better. Now I didn't have to care. I didn't have to worry about that. Great. Oh well, I think you look adorable. But if you choose to not put up on the video, then ignore everything I just said. Go to the show notes and see our work. We'll post it over there. But if you do want video up, it's really great. I love your work, and you can see so much of like. I don't know how you feel like about creating, but do you really? Um, do you put like what you're feeling at that moment in, or do you escape what you're feeling? I have to say, I don't tend to put a lot of feeling into my creation it's more of like a meditative zone and um I tend to put more like logical like my my science actually really comes into my art and one of my goals is that it kind of transcends like my personal perspective and represents like a greater truth than just me or even humanity so I like to explore these patterns that exist um at all scales of the universe and kind of try to get the human ego out of it oh my god I like you so much that is really neat and I can see the cellular structure behind you like it seems like your forms are cells yeah like okay so after I got through like the U.S. educational system I realized I am a total science nerd and geek and I love science but I need it to be explained to me in a way that is more Neil deGrasse Tyson than like super dry stuff and then I got obsessed and got the whole like idea of like what the geometry of the universe and the geometry of cells and the geometry of plants it's really fascinating I can see a lot of that in your your influence yeah so that's my main theme that is so cool I'm I'm actually desperately jealous because I am such a um attention span of like a gnat with a cocaine issue like I have no attention span to hold on to any one theme so my artwork is like everywhere from like I find an artist that I love and I just obsess on their style for a minute like I just feel like a mayfly so the idea of having a theme I'm really obsessed with and I wish I could stay focused long enough to have a theme (laughs) so that's very very amazing you'll find it I think uh, sure. <laughs> you just have to keep redefining it. That's what that's what I've done. Is I I think like because sometimes when I talk, it sounds like I'm just exploring everything, but it's just taken me a couple of years to figure out how to say how to include all of my interests into a couple sentences. It's an art in of itself. You have one of the most amazing minds. Like your interest range, like everything. It's so fascinating to me that um, usually when you see someone who's got that or- ordered of a mind. Um, it doesn't flow over into creativity. And I love seeing, because um, I've, I've followed quite a few artists who are, are very similar in that they can have a theme of something like nature or something really um, beyond the human ego. And I, I love their work. There's been a few jewelers who have been working with like mitochondrial structures in their silver work, and it's fascinating. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
catch. I'm just going through like all the stuff that you had written because I'm so amazed at, um, gosh, I know you didn't want to talk too much about being a kid who was sick, but it's something that I just understand so intensely. Do you want to talk at all about like what it was like to, I mean, when you're talking about like 12 through being a young teenager, those are like dating times. Those are times mm -hmm. of like really intense friend structures. Did you have anything in there that you wanted to talk about? Or do you want me just to run away as fast as I can from that topic? Um, I'm not sure I have a lot to say. It just, I, I, th I didn't really know that I was sick. I mean, I did know I was telling everybody, but nobody was listening to me. And so then I, I just internalized that as, okay, there must be something wrong with me. Like, psychologically and I just like learned to hide it and it, it's almost like I became afraid to be myself so oh. I think when I was diagnosed then like all of that was just released and I was like oh wait I'm not crazy I'm not a baby I'm not just like complaining about nothing and like I it kind of gave me this whole new perspective on life and all of a sudden like this mental pain that I'd had just released I can't imagine, like, I can't imagine, I, I, I feel it like such like a kinship with this because it's such a, um, I think most people are sitting here in their cars just going, oh my God, yeah, I know how that feels. <laughs> like to, when you have some like pots, if, if people are listening to this who don't have pots or other stainless, it's, um, it can mimic a panic attack, the symptoms. And I was convinced I couldn't go away to college and I couldn't like, that it's just really bad at life because I would have, like, the raised heart rate and the inability to breathe, and I would just, like, sit in my campus just, like, shivering. And I just thought I was having panic attacks. I didn't know I could have, like, gotten some noons, some goo, some meds, and then I could have even been able to have gone off exploring some more. It, it's a really limiting thing when you aren't, when you're assuming that it's one thing and it could be something very different that might be more manageable or easier to manage. Yeah. Did any of this, like, inform your choices on, like, where you went to school or travel opportunities or, like, friend opportunities? From when I was, like, 12 to 18, I went, I, I just ignored it. It was getting worse, and I just got better and better and better and being in denial. So. Yeah, it's it not just a river not Egypt. happening. It wasn't even <laughs> happening. Denial is a very good friend sometimes. It's not always the worst thing. <laughs> It works for a little while, but then it epically fails. Yeah. That's what I've learned. It, it can get you through a little bit of time while you're, like, processing and handling. Like, that can that can be something for a minute. Yeah, but, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't making any decisions based on that, and I think that's how I ended up kind of going down a road that didn't really make any sense for me because I was denying my true self in many different ways. How are you able to, like, access true self? Like, you're so young and you're so wise with everything. I'm just very curious. Like, how are you able to figure... I feel like I'm still, like, fighting through the be entertaining, be nice, um, always be pleasant so people want to hang out with you. And, like, trying to figure out who I actually am in between all of that has been, like, a decades-long struggle. How, how are you able to access that and just be authentic? Um, I, I think... You didn't realize you were going to have therapy today, did you? <laughs> no. Sorry. But, I mean, there's something about being really sick and really stuck that I think was a turning point for me. And it was when I realized, you know what, I'm, 
I'm stuck here right now. I can't do anything. I don't know if I'm going to ever get better. So I might as well work on my self-development. I have nothing else to do. I love that a lot. Um, as you had talked about that in your, your um, questionnaire, it reminded me a lot of right after Stephen Hawking died. And there were all of those visuals of him standing in front of his wheelchair and finally free. And the disabled community in large was like, um, did anyone read anything he wrote? He wrote over and over again that he was grateful for his disorder. And he was incredibly grateful for his chair because his disorder allowed him the freedom of mind. And he said many times that he would not have had that if he had had the worries of mortgages and, um, and being healthy and having to make all these decisions and things. He wouldn't have had that level of focus to really deep dive into his theories. So when you're yeah. saying that, it's like, yeah, it, there, there's a very small silver lining here. But Yeah, I think the other thing that I should mention is a couple of years ago, I lost my brother to suicide. And that really... I think also was transformative for me because it, it even more than being sick made me realize how fragile life is. That's amazing and hard. And I, I can't imagine what you and your family are going through. And mental health yeah, is such I a big it, it It's a big motivation and why I started this blog because he had a lot of chronic pain and I know how wearing it can be for people. And that's why I just really wanted to, like, start a community or something where people can get together and, like, spread messages of, like, functional hope that could be brought into your life today. I love your distinction. Instead of all this waiting. <laughs> that's beautiful. I love your distinction of, of functional hope because hope can get very dangerous when you have chronic illness and chronic pain. And yeah. a functional hope, I think that's a very different thing than a... Um, yes. What a beautiful thing you've done um, from from what I can't even imagine what you and your family have gone through. Um, what a beautiful thing for you to create. That's amazing. Um, but I'm going to, in the top lines, uh, put a, a little bit of a, a, I hate to say trigger warning. I feel like that word is used way too much. But we will be putting um, suicide and mental health lines up. Um, if you think you are alone when you are in chronic pain and you are having deep, dark, terrifying thoughts about harming yourself, you are not alone by a long shot. There are, I, I mean, I will publicly admit I have absolutely had those nights. I've had those days. I've had those months. I've had those years. They're awful and no one is alone in this one. So thank you so much for taking something. So, and thank you for sharing that here on the podcast. I really appreciate that. I, yeah. It's kind of one of those things where, like, if we don't all talk about things like this, everyone just feels lonely in their experience, and they're not alone in it. Yeah, exactly. That's why I wanted to bring it up. And then I think it helps people understand, you know, what my goal is with the blog and what where I'm trying to go with it. It's an incredible blog. I, I, I didn't get a lot of time this morning to go through it, but I did go through a lot, and... You are so incredibly knowledgeable. You are such a good writer, and it's um, it's an easy read. So don't think that this is going to be like super dense science stuff that you might feel intimidated to read. This is really some great information presented very well. Thank you. So how are you able to, and again, this is me fishing for ideas, how are you able to to keep, is you are the one who's coming up with a lot of this content. I was looking through, I didn't see anything that was like, Put, like, how are you able to have the energy levels to come up with content like this? And it seems pretty regular as well. 
<laughs> Again, I need help. How do you do this? I don't know. I have some type of problem almost where, like, I have so many ideas and I can't get them done at a rate that's even... I have no... I just... I don't have any shortage of content ideas. I need more writers or something <laughs> or more time. You know what? We should we should team up together. Maybe we can cross-pollinate blogs. Yeah. And no, that could help. Really, that's, that's what I would love to do with this. Oh, um, we will we'll chat after we stop because that would be... I, mean, I think that any of us who are doing chronic illness, like, things like this, we, we all need to help each other because God knows no one has the energy. Yeah. Well, I do know, like, the other thing I do try to do is I try to talk about topics that are unique. I try not to be repetitive or do things that are already out there. Do you have any favorite topics that you've covered lately? Um, lately, I've switched to a lot of, like, mindfulness and, like, um, mental wellness, I guess you should, I could say. I don't really know what the topic is, but it's, (laughs) it's strayed from, like, just Ehlers-Danlos and into that and then how that relates to like dealing with pain do you have any tricks that have like just personally worked for you with mindfulness and pain I can't say there's anything that comes to mind but probably the biggest one that I need to remind myself the most often is that sometimes it's okay to just be in pain and that that's what you're doing because I'm I'm too hard on myself and I think a lot of other people are too it's like I start to go into this loop of getting angry at myself for being in pain and then thinking, well, why am I not managing my pain better? And then that just, <laughs> it's like, you're going to be in pain, just be in physical pain and just do that for a little while. Don't put yourself in mental pain too. I feel like I need to pay you for therapy after this visit. Oh my God. Yes. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been like, well, I should be better at handling this or like, I need to go do more things to manage this pain level. Even if I've gotten to the top of what I'm allowed to take or do, and it's still painful. And sometimes I just have, you're right, you just have, like, at least I just have to remember to be like, okay, so that's what's happening right now. Yeah, the article I'm working on right now is going to be on the intersection of pain and willpower. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, yes. Wow. Um, (laughs) How how do you see that working together? Because I can think of a lot of ways that goes. Uh, the main thing I I keep coming up upon is, like, there, I'm not sure exactly how to describe this, but there are, like, two different forms of willpower, almost, and one of them is, like, like grit, I guess, where you, you just kind of, you, you push through whatever it is that you need to do, and you get it done, mm-hmm. and to me, when you're already suffering, you, you can't, re- that's, like, a putting yourself through more suffering, and it's not really an effective form of willpower, I don't think, for when you're in pain. So I'm trying to explore this, like, other version of willpower that, like, stems from a different energy source that is, like, an energizing form, which for me, I think, is creativity. And for other people, it may be other forms of their passion or something like that. But it's, like, not putting, not trying to put yourself in more suffering to get out of suffering. <laughs> I want to tattoo that. Um <laughs> That is a really um, important thing to remember, not to put yourself through more suffering to get yourself out of suffering. I think you just defined, like, so much from eating disorders to chronic pain to mental health. I mean, I can't tell you how many friends I've had who have suffered through um, chronic depression, bipolar, schizophrenia, who have, like, put themselves through emotional hell because they thought 
this would the, that they put all the onus on them without like the willpower should have been enough to put them through their mental health or their physical health issues. And yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> I feel like you just we just need to do clips of you right now of like all of your incredible like wise moments here. That's that's really that's a, a wonderful way to see that. Um, that's a much healthier way to see that. I wish more doctors could. Um, Take note of that. Uh, <laughs> well, hopefully, maybe they will get word of some of this. I would hope so. I hope, um, uh, and to get political for a moment, I would hope that our uh, political and healthcare system would get a hold of this. And I, I'm not talking by I'm not talking partisan issues. I'm talking a bipartisan issue of um, sick people don't need to bootstrap. They they need help. Like we 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 actually need to not be like dying. That would be great. If we could um, not live or die based on how much money we have, that would be fantastic right now. Yeah, I know. That was, a, I mentioned that in one of the questions, but I think it's like what I was most scared of is that for me to be doing, I should say that, for me to be doing what I'm doing today, I absolutely needed to travel around the country and have surgeries that are not covered by most people's health insurances. Hmm. And that terrifies me. Me too. <laughs> I I will ask you about the surgeries in a second, but um, you know, right now one of the big news stories is um another person died from not being able to get their insulin because insulin in the United States went up a thousand two hundred percent. And it's now over two hundred dollars a vial. Um, so we're right now when we when we are saying because we're both here in the United States, right? You're here in the US with me, right? Yeah. Yeah. When we're saying we're literally dying here, we are literally dying. We are not kidding. We are not, we are not hyperbolizing. We are not being dramatic. Like people are dying here because our drug companies, we are legally not allowed to negotiate. The government cannot legally negotiate with drug companies in the United States. So they are allowed to pull a thousand dollar increase on insulin. They're allowed to pull a $2,000 increase on the EpiPen. Like <laughs> we're not kidding when we're saying these things and it's so depressing. I have POTS also and it's exact symptoms are a heart attack. It feels just like a heart attack and we, we have to play the roulette of can't go to the hospital to find out. Like <laughs> it yeah. gets, yeah. So I, we're, we're having the debate in my household of, can we stay here? Am I going to die because I didn't go to the hospital? To I, which, yeah, to which I've had insurance companies say, that's okay, yeah. I can go ahead and die. That's fine with us. That's cheaper for us. So, I mean, if that's a, a mental health trigger thing, I can tell you it definitely triggered my mental health. It, it's been a very dark four days. It's like, these are the things that you will actually hear from your... Your healthcare is like, sure, go ahead. That's fine. We just don't want to pay for you to go to the hospital. I know, it's so tough. And then especially with Ehlers-Danlos, there's things that feel like an emergency. You don't know if they're an emergency. And like so often with me, it's like, I don't even care if this is an emergency. I don't want to see another doctor right now because you guys make me feel like so sad. And then I'm sick and in pain and sad. So I'll just be sick and in pain without being sad. Can we discuss medical fatigue for a moment? Like, just the absolute fatigue of I cannot see another fucking doctor. Like, I can't. Sure. Like, like, just the exhaustion of being in... Like, I think that one of the other things is there's the idea that you have to be mentally clear in an ER room. Especially with other stainless where you have to... If you're going to have emergency surgery, you need to explain real quick how... 
um, the uh, anesthesia is going to work on you. Like you have to be so fast and clear there, but in pain, exhausted and sitting up for six hours. Like, And then another doctor wants to come in and discuss something who's never heard of your disorder. It's, I almost like, I see a, a stethoscope and a white coat and I'm not kidding. My heart rate goes through the roof. I get super nervous and clammy and just exhausted. Like I can't even come up with a sentence. I know it's hard for anyone who listens to this podcast to believe that there's a moment I stop talking, but that is definitely the moment where I get panic. Yeah. Well, this is all the reason why some people ask me if, you know, if somehow I could go back to medical school, would I? And all of this is the reason why I know that I, I can't because the whole reason I wanted to even think about getting into that field was to be able to help people from a place of like kindness and compassion. And somehow it's just so far gone from the, the whole infrastructure. It's not like anybody's personal fault, but I think it has to do with the way that it's funded and everything. It's just like, there's no healing in this business anymore. It's business. It, it, it is absolutely a business. Um, you're correct. And uh, God, I wish that there were more doctors who came from a place of compassion and wanting to heal. That would be amazing. I think they're just all so exhausted, like keeping any, my only, like, I have my physical therapist who I think walks on water and I adore. And I have my GP who I fought long and hard to find one that I love. But every other doctor fighting to keep them in that room to have a full discussion with me is exhausting. Like it is, yeah. yeah. But when you're talking about like, um, would you go back to medical school or not? That's one of, are you on disability as well? Or do you not want to discuss whether you are or aren't? I'm supposed to be. (laughs) There's some issues. (laughs) Um, Dear God. Yeah. I had my mom, my mom had to do almost, it was a 20 hour week job for me to get onto disability. It was insanity. Um, And our disability system here, there's incredible rules around it on what you can and can't do. But like, I almost finished my graduate degree. I was supposed to be an English professor. I was like, oh, well, you, why don't you go back? Well, there's a whole bunch of reasons. But, like, the idea of, like, what you're talking about with grit and um, not self-control, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> when I said I took everything on my dresser, I really meant it. I am um, on everything right now. <laughs> um, the idea of being able to push through, and I feel like there's this, like, sort of rumor or this idea of I worked hard for my medical insurance, I worked hard for my house, I worked hard for all these things. It's like, oh, God, if I could work hard, I would. I I would love to go back. If I could go and, like, become a librarian or a teacher again, um, I know I could never do the photography again, but, like, the idea of, like, actually being a part of the world and doing, like, something that I love, like, teaching, God, that would be amazing. It's, um, but I feel like there's this sort of prevalent rumor that disabled people are just sitting around throwing bonbons in their mouths, <laughs> watching, like, endless YouTube. And there are those days, don't get me wrong, but I'd rather be doing something else, I promise. You're running a podcast, though. I mean, you're, you're doing, doing stuff, and I'm trying to work for myself. I'm trying multiple different ways what, What's to... your side hustle, aside from the blog? Oh, my side hustle? Yeah. Well, I saw, I saw my art is actually the biggest thing that I do and I'm currently working on exploring a career in like life coaching or something along the lines of that that would Please be specific that. for chronic illness you are so like just what you've said in the last like 40 minutes are so good mm-hmm. you need to like oh that'd be amazing you'd be such a great life coach 
Well, thank you. I just honestly, I can't figure out like what type of certification I need or how to get started. But people do like ask me questions all the time. So I'm like, well, maybe I should do this. I, I will give you some advice right now. There's actually, uh, at least the last time I checked, because I used to work with a whole bunch of life coaches and uh, business networking, um, there was no official certification. Um, there are like some, but they're not official. So you could totally do this. <laughs> Okay, everyone, we'll let you know when we yep. get started. We'll, we'll, we'll have a new name for you. We'll have, like, everything all set up. <laughs> I think you'd be incredible. You have a, an amazing level of empathy and understanding. And uh, some way that at your, uh, like, it just feel like you're so young for, like, the amount of, like, what you are able to see clearly. You have an amazing way to see things very, very clearly. I'm very jealous of that. That's a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful skill. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know. I guess it's some... Hyper rational. Sometimes people say that I am. I, I wish I had a little bit more of that rational. I think everyone in my life wishes I had more rational. <laughs> but you're the podcast. That's like a forty-hour week job. Which, if you've been listening for a while, you know I've been passing that off to other podcast hosts. We are getting a lot more co-hosts lately, and um, that is strictly I'm way too sick to continue the way I was. It, it was just um, is too much to to do, and it was either closing down the podcast, which so many of you are so nice and write me at like three o'clock in the morning and there's no way I was going to do that. So I have, uh, I have handed off some responsibility lately. <laughs> so we're almost to the end and I hate to, I hate to be at the end, but you gave some great advice in your life hack section. And I feel like very few people are as good at life hacks as people with chronic illness. <laughs> and you had a great one, which I, I kind of distilled it down. And if I'm wrong in how I distilled it, please correct me. But it was basically the idea that you don't have to feel like you're your disorder's ambassador 24-7. And like, <laughs> I just felt that one so intense. Sometimes I'm super chatty and I'm like, sure, I'll tell you all the reasons why I'm parked in this handicapped spot. And other times I'm like, I will faint in your arms while I'm explaining this. So like, you had some great yeah. advice on that. Do you want to elaborate? And I will start with yeah. my hands. Oh. So it's pretty much just that you don't need to explain yourself because I know people are constantly asking me questions. And it, sometimes I feel really almost like obligated. Like, yeah, I, I need to spread awareness for this because it's rare and it might help other people. And then other times, this is even more important, I think, is when it's like close friends and family. Mm. Like they always would try to understand like exactly what was going on because they felt that that's how they could relate to me and that that's how they could help me. But in the last year or two, I think we've all come to this consensus that no, you don't need to understand because when I'm really in pain or not feeling well, I don't really want to talk about it because I'm trying to actively ignore it actually. <laughs> so if I just tell you like really vaguely like, okay, today I can't walk. That's really all you need to know. You don't need to know why. You don't need to know anything else. You just need to know, like, what it is that might be helpful for me. And then just believe me from there. Oh, God, what beautiful advice for everyone who's, like, a loved one or a friend or a person in their life got diagnosed with a chronic illness. Like, just believe me. And yeah. just whatever I say I can and can't do, just go with that. And if that changes in five minutes, don't you don't need to acknowledge that either. Like... Yeah, exactly. Like, we don't need to go into detail about why yesterday I could do this and today I can't do this or whatever. 
One of my best. Really explaining is exhausting sometimes. That takes spoons, like a lot of spoons, to like sit there and explain like every. And I'm sure like there's probably a lot of people who are different socioeconomic group, different uh, skin color than me that definitely know that just from that part of life of like explaining what life is like with anything that is different from the norm or not norm, but different from like the status quo of what, what everyone decides is like what someone's life experience is like. That's just exhausting to have to, like, break everything down. I was, like, super lucky that one of my friends from high school came over the other day, and um, she very much just, like, lived that. I was dislocating everything in front of her and wincing, and she's like, okay, so when we first start talking again, you told me to just ignore you when you do that. I'm just going to check one time. Do I need to call a hospital, a doctor, or do you want me to still ignore? It was, like, the sweetest question. It was, like, I'm going to give you all the control in this <laughs> and just, like, work from there. It was just a... A really neat thing. Yeah, definitely. So you brought up like an hour, almost a, almost an hour, but I really wanted to go through this with you because it was one of my favorite things about being chronically ill. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing to say, but you said it was an incredible buffer and filter for people in your life. Yeah, and I definitely only appreciated that like on the the after side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because when you're going through it, I was just thinking what is wrong with all these people that are supposed to love me? Like, where are they going? Oh, God. The mass They're exodus. Leaving me. Everyone's <laughs> leaving me. I'm no fun anymore. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Wait, I don't have... I'm not required to be fun. I'm not, like... I don't have to be fun to be who I am. That That's not something I, I signed up to have to do. That's the one I'm trying to learn right now, is I don't have to be fun or entertaining for people to like me. <laughs> There, there's more to that. That is like super true. Like it, it's, um, I felt like when I got di finally got my diagnosis and I had to stop working, it was a mass exodus of people. Like I'd say at least 50% of the people in my life were gone. And it was just, you know, what I was doing with them was my work stuff. Even though we were also friends, there was just, I guess, not enough to hold on to after that. But it was, it was such a rejection. It felt like such an intense yeah. rejection. No, I think people are scared, and I think I had, I had a lot of dietary restrictions, and I couldn't drink because of my digestive problems for a while, and it just really created this separation of, I guess, less mature friendships that I, that weren't, like, developed enough to be able to stick through it, which is fine. Actually, it's not, I mean, I'm not, not, not that there's anything wrong with anybody that didn't stick around. It just, not all friendships are meant to go on forever. So it, it was kind of a good weeding process. And now the friend, the friends that I have made since I've been really sick are amazing. And I just cannot believe like the amount of empathy and compassion of the people that have started friends with me when I'm already like at this level of sickness can you think of anything in particular someone did that just made you feel like super cared for and taken care of and empathized with uh, I know I'm putting you I so on the spot <laughs> I can't think of any specific examples because it's just all the time that they're thinking of me and it's like I it's it's weird but it's like people who've come into my life after I've gotten sick, it's almost easier for them to adjust than my family who hasn't always known me as being sick. 
it's not because they still have these uh, these things they're holding on to in their mind. But like my good friends, they're always like, "Oh, like do you need to sit down?" Like they almost like see that I need to sit down before I say anything, or like I'm looking for a wall to lean on, and they're like already like directing me to it because <laughs> they know I'm too stubborn. And like, oh my gosh, yes. Yes. Okay. Serious call out to David Kuros's husband for like, I went out with him and, um, and his other husband this weekend for wine tasting and he was rushing around finding chairs for me when I was too stubborn to say, I have to be in chair now. Like that's such a loving thing yeah, for someone yeah. to do. That's like one of my favorite things. And like I have friends who will um, realize that I can't get out of bed and they, they'll like kind of check around on Facebook for me and like see whether I've left the house in like two weeks or so. And then they'll be like, so are you hungry? Because I'm going to guess you didn't even get to the kitchen. And like I have a one friend, Dawn, who you've probably heard on the podcast before, who she's chronically ill and she will still check out to make sure I've been like fed and taken care of and she will still come in like... She just, like, comes in the back way to my house and, like, brings in soup or something for me to eat. And it's, um, gosh, there's so many nice ways that people can show that they care without over, over-exhausting. Yeah. Well, thank you. you. Is there anything we did not cover? Because we're at an hour, and I feel like there's still so much left to say, but I just want to make sure I'm getting through everything you wanted to say. Um, I think uh, one thing I want to say is that if anybody wants to write for my blog or has any ideas, please yes. message me. I'm sure you can, well, you'll put the link in the The link will be notes. at the very top. So if you go to Invisible Not Broken, um, if you're going to other show notes, I do put it at the top. It's just not as obvious because the show notes get reformatted. But if you're going to the InvisibleNotBroken.com website, um, at the very top, there's buttons. Like, I have really, it looks really pretty and cute, and I have all the buttons. So the first one will be how to get right to your blog, and then the next one will be your artwork, because everyone needs to see your artwork. It's beautiful. But Thank yes, you. please message Jasmine if you are a chronic illness blogger and you want a little bit more of a platform, a little bit more to say, I want to take some, like, work off of her shoulders. <laughs> Is that about right? Yeah, or just, like, get together and collaborate. I don't know. Whatever. If you have an idea, I'm just trying to launch it into a new realm. It, it requires so many different um, skill sets to do things like launching podcasts and blogs. It's, uh, it's a little dizzying what you need to know. Yeah. And um, the other thing, I guess, is if you... I uh, want to get involved with adaptive climbing and you have any questions about that because I still do competitions and I'm still pretty involved with that whole community and there's a competition actually coming up in a month so if you have any questions about that feel free to message me and I'll put that button right at the top too Jasmine you are amazing and your ability to see things so clearly I'm really excited to post this this episode um and thank you so much for pulling me through a um very winding interview while I was trying to come up with my thoughts by speaking in circles <laughs> I really appreciate your help on that um thank you everyone for listening uh be kind be gentle be a badass um by the way thank you um uh, Nigeria uh Milamar um I'm hoping I'm saying that correctly and the Philippines, you guys are brand new to listening to the podcast, so welcome. Thank you so much, and um, message us, because I want to know what life with chronic illness is like in your countries. Um, I have no frame of reference, so I'd love to hear what's set up in your areas and what, what your experiences are. That would be amazing. Um, tune in next week. Nicest thing you can still do to, for us is to go over to Apple Podcasts, say nice things. If you have constructive criticism, be nice. I have three feelings. Don't step on them. 
And I think that's about it. Just be sure to share this episode. Um, I think we went through a lot of really cool ways of um, ways that you can be kind and helpful to someone with chronic illness, ways that you can be nice to yourself with chronic illness or mental health. Um, so I think this is a super shareable episode. So hand this over to someone who maybe is like still trying to process on how to handle chronic illness or how to handle being a supportive person for someone with chronic illness. All right, everyone have a great week. Thank you.